Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Can I read together? Here we go. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. As I have been, I knew I was preaching this for the last few weeks, as I've been pondering and wrestling these, these verses, two words came to me, and because of that, that's the title of my message today, but I've entitled this message, Amazed and Grateful. I am amazed and grateful. And I want to pray and ask that God would do that same thing in your heart today. Here's what, here's what I've come to grips with. God is amazing whether you realize it or not. And as, as humanity, I pray that God would do a work in me so that I can recognize more of his amazement. And as I'm able to do that, I feel like there's more joy that comes about with what he's done in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for my friends that are in this room. God, thank you so much for small groups that will be launching in September and all that you're doing throughout our community as people are opening up Bibles and coffee shops and homes. And God, I just ask for a blessing upon every group leader and every group that's meeting together this summer and preparing for the fall. Father, I pray over this message that, God, you would download in our church, God, what you've downloaded in my heart today. I'm just so grateful for you. Help us to all maybe communally respond the same way at the end of this service together. In Christ's name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. How many of you are parents in the room? Come on. Awesome. I am a parent of uh, two children. One, his name is Ethan. He's three years old. And the other one is named Karis. And she is about a year and a half. And Ethan is amazing. Ethan, I love Ethan. He's boy. He's awesome. He's crazy. In fact, this picture that you see up here, this is uh, Amazon. I don't know how they did it, but they dropped off 28 rolls of paper towels, which immediately, as a man with my boy, that became a lot of fun. And so we are kicking them with footballs. We're bombing them over our couch. We're going nuts, right? This was just last week, and I think he has pants on. I'm really not sure there. It's... uh. <laughs> I love Ethan. And just a little bit about Ethan, uh, just three things that you may not know about him. He's a pretty simple kid. He really loves three things. I'm not sure if he loves four. Three, I can guarantee. Number one is Ethan loves chocolate milk. I mean, he loves chocolate milk. 
He, you should watch my son drink chocolate milk. It is the weirdest thing. He savors it in his mouth before he drinks it down his throat. He loves chocolate milk. We can get him to do anything we want, right, Natalie, if chocolate milk's involved. Any action we need, if the result is chocolate milk, it's done with excellence. My boy <laughs> loves chocolate milk. Second thing Ethan absolutely loves is church. He honestly, he loves coming to church. It's pretty awesome, because normally being a pastor's kid, that means he's here for about 27 hours on Sunday. And uh, he loves it. He wishes he was here more. He, loves, he gets frustrated on Thursdays when we're going home and we're not going to church, because he loves to be at church. So second thing he loves is church. Third thing, you may not know this, but Ethan loves Lightning McQueen. Now, if you do not know who Lightning McQueen is, you clearly do not have a toddler in your life right now. But lucky for you, I've got quite a few. I'm, I'm building a toddler factory in my house right now. And I have got the skinny on every timeline, every storyline, every narrative of every Dix, D, uh, Disney, Pixar. I've got it all. I've got it. I've got it going. And so uh, just to let you know, if you don't know who Lightning McQueen is, uh, let me tell you. Lightning McQueen is the main character in the movie series entitled Cars. And uh, actually, just three Weeks ago-ish, Cars, parents, if you have toddlers, you know what I'm talking about probably, but Cars came out with a new movie, right? Well, obviously, we knew that, and I don't go and watch movies very often. It's not like it's some biblical thing for me. It's just so expensive. It drives me nuts. I just cringe when I walk in there. I'm like, $13? How do you sleep at night? <laughs> you want to come to City Church? I'm preaching this Sunday. It's just hard for me, right? And so, but obviously, I mean, Ethan loves cars. His whole, his whole bedroom is full of cars. He just loves cars. So we are going to pump out the dough and we're going to cars, right? You know, it just frustrated me because I'm like, the sad thing is I told Natalie this. I'm like, they could have charged me $50 and I still would probably be in this movie theater right now. It's like, I just feel so suckered into this moment. Like they got me. They got me on every level. It's just, oh man, just ugh. Thank you for letting me vent today. You guys have been really nice. Thank you, guys. This is great counseling. So we love cars. Obviously, we are, we are ready to get Ethan in cars. And some of you are not sure whether Ethan really loves cars. And so because of that, I'm going to prove it to you by showing you this 30-second clip of me telling Ethan we're going to go watch cars. Check this out. Hey, Ethan. Hey, buddy. Guess what? We are going to watch cars today. We're going to go to the movie theater, dude. Yeah. We're going to watch Lightning McQueen. Yep. You excited? Uh, how am I going to do that? Because Mommy and Daddy already bought tickets. You just got tickets? Yep. What? We're going to go watch it. Are you excited? Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Do you believe me now? The kid loves cars. We had a great time, and it's actually the first movie he fully walked, watched the whole time, and that's kind of a big deal for parents because it just opens up all these endless possibilities, right? And so uh, we're excited about that in the Wolf House. And so, you know, so then a couple days later, we watched the movie. That was cool. Natalie and I are taking Ethan out for the night. We ended up going to, to uh, dinner, and then we went to the great American store, Toys R Us. 
I don't know about you, but when I hear the words Toys R Us, like my stomach gets in some sort of way because it just, I'm spending money, I'm not sure, like what's happening. So I, we are at Toys R Us, right? And so parents, you can relate. And do you know, Toys R Us is so great at getting you to spend money on stuff you don't need. And so you walk in and they only let you a certain way. So you're walking through a certain way and you turn the aisle at the, at the uh, Toys R Us by us and all of a sudden, no joke, there is a 20 foot, I'm not exaggerating by any foot imagination here, okay, 20 feet tall by at least 50 feet wide, a wall of cars toys. <laughs> Lightning McQueen is like 19 feet wide, he's sitting there staring at Ethan, needless to say, Ethan drops his jaw and loses his mind, right? I mean, he's like in this weird toddler drug thing going on, like he's lost his self, he is high on cars. I mean, he doesn't want anything else from any other place. Husbands, have you ever experienced that when your wife goes to Target? <laughs> the other day, a couple weeks ago, Natalie, she loves Target. She's one of the Target people. And if you notice at Target, man, I'll help you with this. This could help. Um, there are these lines, these red lines that actually, you stay the aisles. There's, they, they create the aisles, so then there's no... There, the lines is where there's nothing, and then on the other side of the lines is where all the toys are, the clothes and all that stuff. So I told her, I said, woman, because that's what we say when we're at Target. I said, woman, I said, stay between the lines. So I go up, she comes back. She's got all this stuff in the cart. I'm like, how can you even grab beyond the line anything that far in the distance? And she's like, I got the app, hey. I'm like, girl. You are one, you are bad, you are bad. So we're there, and I'm deciding, I, I'm realizing very quickly what husbands may realize when your wife goes to Target. You're going to buy something to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, it, so you're trying to figure out, how can I get something that's not as expensive to get us out of here, right? So, so naturally, I'm in Toys R Us, and needless to say, we're going to buy a car, or else this kid might spend the night you know, in the bathroom somewhere and hide himself and play with them all night. So we're, we're asking what cars he wants. So then we got this $6 car, and then he wants this $30 car. Now, my kid's got a lot of cars at his house right now, okay? I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, he does not need another car. Why would I splurge on a $30 car so that we can just go back and then he can just... You know, like, let's just get the $6 one, let's get out of here. Well, the Holy Spirit, I mean, my wife speaks to me. And she's like, hey, she's the giver, by the way. So, uh, you know, like building campaigns and we're in this raise thing. I'm like, yeah, let's do this number, which is lower. She's like, let's double it. I'm like, how are we going to do that? Um, so that's my wife, right? So she's giving all the time. And so she's like, yeah, no, let's get, let's get. So what do you think we do? Yeah, let me show you. Yeah, this is what $30 buys you, by the way, at Toys R Us. You thought it might be bigger, huh? You thought I might have to go back to the back curtain and roll it out here. No, this joker's 30 bucks. If you ain't got kids yet, welcome to the club. This is just, it's exciting. $30, right? Now, what's kind of cool about this guy, I guess, this is what you're paying for, is that he, he talks. So he, you can like do a barrel roll. So he's got 65 different expressions that I had to pay extra dollars for. I'm not bitter. I'm good. And so I get Ethan this car. We unbox the car. 
all right? He has it in his hands. And then what do you think he's, he does next? <laughs> oh, you guys are too good, huh? Do you think he said, Dad, I didn't even know we were even gonna go to dinner tonight, but then you just surprised me with your greatness. <laughs> and you took us to dinner, and you even paid with it with your own money. You and Mom worked so hard. And then we went to Toys R Us, Dad. I love Toys R Us. And then we were deciding between one car and the other car. And then I recognized that you went out beyond the budgets to get me this amazing car. I want you to know, Dad, I am going to love this car. I'm going to cherish it forever. Do you think my son did any of that? No, he didn't do any of that. He responds, look at this, with the car in his hand, the brand new car that talks in 65 different expressions. And he proceeds to look at his dad. That's me, by the way. He goes, dad, can I have your phone? I'm like, now some of you are like mature parents and stuff like that. Like you've already been there, done that. You're like, oh son, you'll be okay, you know. I wanted to lose my mind, right? And I had two feelings. I'm like, I wanna light this thing on fire as an example and expression of what you shouldn't have done. The other part of me is, can I get my money back? I'm gonna put this joker back in the box and I'm gonna send the thing back. I was ready to lose my mind. Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. I said, Glenn, sometimes you do that with me. I felt, and I felt God so impress on me to speak to you today that if we don't watch it, we can do the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. Have what the Father has paid for right in our hands, yet in, an, in a level of ungratitude beyond to the next thing. And, and I just felt like God brought me here just to tell you there's so much to be amazed and grateful for in Jesus. You know, what's interesting about this story, kind of two things as I've pondered it, is as a dad, there's nothing greater I would love than for my son to enjoy what I've given him. There's just not, I mean, there's nothing like it, you know? And then the other part is that as his father, I want him to learn gratitude because he will enjoy life a lot more if he's able to be more grateful. Because here, I said this earlier, but the truth is, is that God is amazing whether you realize it or not. But the more that you're able to realize it, the more joy and fulfillment you find in life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be quick to be amazed. I'm praying even, and I don't really care how you respond today. I'm, I, know, I know what God's doing in my life. And I just want to be woken up to the wonder. I want to be quick to be in awe of what he's done. And, and I have these verses here, even as I was re reading these, and I just, I could not read these verses and not just find myself amazed and grateful to what God has done. And if you would appease me today, can we, can we go to verse 18? I know we already read it, but can we walk through these a little bit? 
with a fresh heart, possibly, to just be grateful and amazed at who he is. Verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. Charles Spurgeon made some commentary about that word suffering. And it was so good that sometimes I'll paraphrase commentaries. I wanted to quote this one today if you would stay with me. All right, is everybody with me today? Spurgeon said, There was a story of a man of God who was bound to a stake to die for Christ. There he was. He was calm and quiet. Till his legs had been burned away and the bystanders looked to see his helpless body drop from the chains to what was black as coal. And not a feature could be discerned. But one who was near was greatly surprised to see that that poor black carcass opened his mouth. And two words came out of it. And what do you suppose they were? Sweet Jesus came out of that man's mouth. And then the martyr fell over the chains and at last life was gone. Spurgeon went on to say that saint had the sweet presence of Jesus to help him through his horrible suffering. But Jesus did not have the sweet presence of his father to help him on the cross. Instead, God the Father treated him as if he were an enemy, as the target of the righteousness, wrath of God, and God looked away. It's not only that Jesus suffered like we all suffer, but he took a suffering that we cannot even comprehend or understand. And your sin and my sin deserves death. It deserves the wrath of God. Yet he loves you so much, and he loves me so much, that he gave that son, and Jesus stayed on that cross, and he suffered to the point of even, he had no one, he could not even look to the Father. Do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? He said, he said Eli, Eli, lame sabachthani. God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at what Jesus has done. I'm so grateful today at what Jesus has done. And then it doesn't just say that he suffered once, or doesn't just say he suffered, but then it says he suffered once for sins. That Greek word once could be uh, translated as hapax, which literally means once and for all. Everybody say for all. What that means today, church, is that Jesus has not only paid for your past sins, he's also paid for your present sins, and he's also paying for your future sins. Every sin you have ever committed or will ever commit, he has taken the place on the cross. I don't know about you, but I am amazed at what God has done for me. He is so good. The righteous, the Bible says, for the unrighteous. The one that was perfect for us who have been imperfect. He took your place. And you know what that means for you and I today? You no longer have to take the identity of your sin as your ultimate stance in how you see yourself. In fact, it is sin to ever take the identity of your sin ever again. You are not a loser you are not even really even a sinner even more, even though you sin. We are righteous before God, not because of your works, 
not because of your tithing, not because of your spiritual disciplines, even though that's a result of our faith, that is not what gives us faith, and that is not what enters you into kingdom or into, into God. You know what the Bible says? It says it was through his righteousness. Amen. And look what it goes on to say. His righteousness for your unrighteousness to bring you to God. Not only does God want you to be amazed, I believe, at what he's done, but he didn't just do it as an example to admire. He did it as a sacrifice to embrace. In other words, God is not here to try and impress you. He wants to be with you. And the problem is that we are unholy before him. And I pray that I spend the rest of my days grateful for my position now in Jesus. Your, your boss does not determine your identity anymore. Your weight does not determine your identity. Whether you are married or not married does not determine your identity. Whether you made a mistake or didn't make a mistake, no longer th is that your identity. Your identity is in Christ and Christ alone. And that is where freedom comes. We are no longer bound to the bondage of people's opinion and our sin anymore. He saved us. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty blown away today. I'm amazed. It's amazing. He goes on in verse 19 to say, After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. This is one of the most complex passages in Scripture. I don't think it's the most complex, but it is one of those where we're just not sure what it's saying. Let me give a stab at it today. Verse 19, he talks about, let me, let's just make sure we're understanding this moment. Jesus has overcome, he's gone to the cross, he has now died, and during those three days, he goes to these imprisoned spirits to proclaim something. One theologian said, what the Bible's unclear about, we should be hesitant to bring clarity to. And so, by no means am I saying there's no clear point here that would tell us what exactly happened in verse 19. Here's a couple things we do know. Or let me tell you what we don't know. Let's start there. First of all, we're not sure what he said. Like there's nowhere, you know, some people would say, well, he preached the gospel. That's an opinion. I don't think that's what happened. But we're not sure what he said. We're not sure exactly who he said it to. We're not, in other words, who are these imprisoned spirits? There's two thoughts about that. I'll give you mine in just a second. We're not sure what he said. We're not sure who he said it to. And we're not sure what the result was. Like the, all of a sudden, there's just this moment of this, he's making this proclamation. Most commentaries, there, there are great minds on both sides of this, of this spectrum. Most would say that those imprisoned spirits were not earthly humans that then have died to their body but now are still alive in their spirit and then he's proclaiming to them most commentaries would lean towards that they were demonic spirits because he used the words days of noah and in the days of noah in genesis i know everybody cares about this uh in the days of noah uh, genesis 6 would talk about there was an intermingling between demonic spirits and humans in that time and so it seems to be, like the way I would lean on it is that they're not humans and then they're spirits of those humans, that it was the demonic spirits in which I feel like that Jesus was making a proclamation of justice 
because he just nailed to the cross every imperfection, every injustice, had just been overcome with what he was doing in the cross, and it's in the process of him resurrecting from that injustice in which it seems like he's making a proclamation here. Here's the big takeaway, because what I don't want us to do is walk out of here focused on what we're unclear about. I'd rather walk out of here focused on what we are clear about. Here's what I'm clear about. Jesus is amazing. <laughs> he is amazing, and I'm not trying to cop out with this verse here. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that even as I read this, I just thought, wow, God, not only have you overcome death, but then you have the ability to supernaturally proclaim a message to spirits in another realm that are so outside of our natural realm. Wow, God, you are supernatural. And I read this, and obviously I've got thoughts on what it could be and questions on what it could be, but I, I'm walking away from here blown away that he has the power to do something like that. It is pretty amazing. And then it says, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to pause for a moment, and actually in 2009, there was a movie entitled Tidal Wave, and uh, in this tidal wave, it, it basically reenacted a tsunami, and obviously, we've seen many uh, tsunamis over the years, maybe, hopefully, not, by, not in close proximity, but we've seen them on TV, and we've experienced these people that basically, you know, there's been quite a bit of movies that are like this, where the people had no idea what was going on, and all of a sudden, they don't have enough time, and there's this tidal wave that's coming in as they're doing their own life, doing their own thing, and all of a sudden they don't know, but there's this wave that's being built upon them. And, and Peter uses this metaphor of paralleling the ark and the days of Noah to salvation and water baptism. I find that interesting. Think about what's happening in Noah's time. Everybody's living their own life. God trusts Noah and, and tells him to build an ark even though there was no rain. Doesn't, can't we relate with that somewhat as followers of Jesus? We can't see God, yet he's revealed himself deep in us, and so we live a life of faith. And while other people are living their lives for their own way, we are living differently according to what he's called us to. And the truth is that within this metaphor, there is a flood that's coming. And the truth is, there is a flood. There's a spiritual flood. There, there are repercussions for sin. And our sin is building up a tidal wave in which we are helpless without an ark or a boat to save us. You know who the, who the ark is? Jesus. Isn't it interesting that now we don't use wood to build arks anymore, but back in the day, they used wood. Isn't it interesting that Jesus... They used two wooden planks to nail him to a, the cross to connect our depravity with his divinity and to bring us back to God. He's the ark. You know, what's interesting is that Noah's not saved by his actions on the ark. He's saved because he got in the ark. In other words, whether he acts well on the ark or not, that doesn't dictate 
whether he still stays afloat. It's the structure and how well the ark is able to stand against the flood of the water. And I'm here to tell you that we're in a pretty good ark. We're in the best ark. There's no greater ark. His name is Jesus. He is amazing. He is incredible. I am so grateful today that, it, that it's not my actions that dictate whether I'm in or out. It's that faith. And now let me be clear, because I'm so grateful, you better believe that now I'm in his ark, I wanna serve the, the man and the God that's allowed me to be there. Not because I have to, but because I want to, because he's so amazing. And I'm so grateful today. So does that mean that water baptism saves you? I wanna be clear, it does not. In fact, he goes on to say, it's not the removal of dirt from the water that saves you. It's the cleansing of your spirit. It's the actual, and he goes on to say, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what saves you. Let me prove it to you. I think the most clear way of, of, of explaining that is that Jesus is on the cross with two other sinners in which there's a man to his left and to his right. One man does not put his faith in God. The other looks at Jesus and calls him Lord, by the way. He didn't just acknowledge that he was somebody great. He said, you're Lord. He said, Lord, will you remember me? Did Jesus tell him to get, hey, real quickly, you better get down from that cross. You better go find a pool real quick or else you're not gonna get in. Did he say that? No. Now, if you have put your trust in Jesus, your next step is to be water baptized because that is the next step of obedience as you're making him Lord of your life. But that act of obedience does not save you. Jesus does. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. And if my actions saved me, worship would look a lot more different because I might need to get up here and kind of worship myself for a little while. But that's not, that's not the kingdom. That's not the heart. That's not the gospel. It's that he gets center stage and we've come to give him adoration because we're just such grateful people and we're so amazed at what he's done in our lives. Lastly, verse 22 is such a great way to end. He says, Jesus who has gone into heaven and he's at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I don't know about you, but that blows me away today. Jesus has overcome sin, death, the grave, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father and everything is under his authority. And here, here's what's amazing. He, he did all that so that you could be in connection with him so that now, whatever you're going through, you have access to not just some of God's people, you have access to God himself in which when you lay hands on your baby and you don't know how everything's gonna work out and you're not sure how everything's gonna happen and you call on the name of Jesus, he doesn't need a standard operating procedure. He doesn't need to check the budget. He doesn't need to find out if heaven's in agreement. He has all submission, he has all authority and he can simply proclaim his authority over your body. He can proclaim, listen, you know what's gonna bring revival? Jesus is gonna bring revival. His Holy Spirit is what's gonna bring revival. And you know what's really awesome on our part is that as we have gratitude and amazement, and we're just a church that's hungry and grateful and full of faith 
and we're gonna give and we're gonna serve and we're gonna lay all of those crowns at his feet. You know what? He starts to take notice. He starts to see and we just start to get hungry. God, would you move in our city? God, would you move in our nation? God, would you do something what you've done in me? God, would you do it in our church? Would you do it in our nation? And you know, I believe he responds to that. Oh man, he's so good. And then he wants to fill you with the Spirit. Say, what? <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, this is so amazing. He is so, so good to us. You may be here today and you've had some real challenges in your life. I, listen, by me declaring his goodness is not negating what you're walking through today. And when I, when I, and I, I really prayed about this because Chances are many of us in this room are going through a really challenging season right now. It's the way life is. It's a part of a church body. Somebody in here probably got a raise and somebody in here probably got a demotion. I mean, that just happens. It's a part of us coming together and linking arms. And so I'm not negating what you might be going through, but I am here to tell you, he is still amazing. And there is still so much to be grateful for in him. Let's not be the people that are on to the next thing with God. And let's be a church that comes to God and says, God, I can't even believe it. You woke me up today. Man, I got this local church. This is amazing. You have been so, what? I get to eat breakfast? Yes. God, I just recognize I should be in some grave right now. Heaven is on my track. What? Oh my goodness, it's Sunday? I get to come to church and see other people and like worship and is Miranda singing today? What? There's a Bible on my, on my end table? It's your word to me? You mean I can read it whenever I want? Is it in my language? Oh my goodness, it's in my language? This is crazy. Wow, God, you're so amazing. You know what's interesting is that my son didn't respond good that day, but the rest of the story is quite interesting, parents. This has actually become my son's favorite toy the last two and a half weeks. He carries this joker everywhere. And right, Natalie, he sleeps with Lightning McQueen every single night. This was the best purchase I've ever made. You know, he doesn't even know how to say thank you, but those, the life of just enjoying what I've given him speaks volumes, doesn't it? Makes me want to give him more. Makes me want to lather that boy with stuff. And at night, I pray over him every night. And I always ask him, parents, you can help me with this. I'm always like, Ethan, you want to pray? Every time he says no. So just help me with that if you got, maybe I'll give him chocolate milk at 10 o'clock at night. And so I'll start praying. And then by the time I say amen, he stops me. He goes, Lightning McQueen, Lightning McQueen. And I lay hands on this car 
every night, and I pray for Lightning McQueen. This is the most anointed car you've ever met in your life. Every night, man, we are, we are praying over it. And I don't know about you guys, but man, I just, I want to be, I, don't, I want it to be simple for me to be blown away with who God is. I just, I want to be able to open scripture and not have to be impressed. Just, just come to it with this sense of, God, are you serious? Wow, you are 